0: All right, so Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. We're picking up mid thought, but this is the part that's germane for today. So that's what we're reading. Paul the Apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes thus In him, that is Jesus, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in the trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word to us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but... The word of the living God stands forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how it points us to Jesus, our only hope, our only comfort. And we ask that even now as we reflect upon this word and on his victory over the grave, that you would be pleased to meet with us, that we would be encouraged, that we would be shaped and molded even increasingly into his likeness. We ask that our thoughts, our worries, our preoccupations would be set aside, that we could be still and see and savor our Lord. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. Well, for those of you who were with us on Friday, the, the Good Friday service, um, or for those of you who weren't, you, you have an idea of what Good Friday is about, but the Good Friday service concludes with apparently death winning. Apparently, hell has won. Apparently, the prince of the power of the air has triumphed. Indeed, Jesus himself says, as he's being arrested in the garden, that this is your hour and this is the power of darkness. They've successfully gotten rid of that gadfly who was bothering them. The political and religious leaders have silenced someone who they perceive to be a threat, and he lie cold, dead, and in the grave. Case closed. Move on. And In a real sense, Good Friday leaves us right dab smack in the middle of apparent reality. Indeed, death, with its apparent triumph over Jesus, death is what we, we, in all of our strivings in life, see as the foreboding thing on the horizon. But death is not just on the horizon as something that happens at our demise at the end of our life. No, death is like a black hole sucking everything towards it, tearing everything piece by piece apart until it finally is consumed. Indeed, we watch a lot of movies in our house as you know, and Big Hero 6. If you have kids, you've probably seen it or Hopefully you've seen it. It's a good movie. But Big Hero 6, they create this vortex. They want to try to you know, travel between dimensions or something. And, and this vortex is tearing everything apart. It, it gets activated, and it's literally stripping this building apart. First, the loose stuff, the desks, the trash cans, then the sheetrock. Everything is being pulled apart as it's being sucked into the vortex. And that's death. It's everywhere. It pervades our existence. We feel it. And it's effect on our minds. Our effect. It's effect on our emotions. It's effect on our bodies. It's effect on our relationships. It's effect on the earth. Everything we see slowly. Slowly. But surely in conflict and disruption, decay being torn slowly as everything pulls like the gravity of the earth to it, this vortex, this black hole that is death. In the beginning, it was not this way. But when Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned, the birth of death occurred. And it is the great catastrophe of the history of the cosmos. Yet, in the fullness of time, God sent his son to be our champion, to wage war on our behalf, to fight a foe we could never defeat, to overcome an enemy so great, so powerful that we had zero chance of obtaining the victory. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to, to lifelong slavery. You see, the enemy before us was so great that Jesus had to descend into the grave to battle it there. And having overcome his enemy and ours, he arose victorious as proof positive that our sins have been fully atoned for. God has accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And Jesus Christ has been victorious over his enemies and ours. You need to understand that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ as a good thing. And it is. But for the world, the the system that stands in opposition and in rebellion to the king, to the rightful rule and reign of God, to the system and powers and authorities and rulers that exist, the, the spirits, those mighty spiritual beings which exert great influence in the world. To them, the resurrection of Christ is a catastrophe. For the resurrection of Christ heralds not the birth, not the continuance, but rather it heralds the very death of death itself. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus gives us the sweet words of assurance that he comes to give us life abundantly. Abundant life is what he wants for you. He does not want you To go through life with the feelings of oppression and the feelings of depression and the feelings of anxiety and insecurity. He wants you to breathe the free air as a son or daughter of the king. But our life is hard, stuff happens, we are frail. Mere creatures of dust. And so we we get anxious when something happens to us. When we look in the mirror, when we look at our body and see a spot, we start worrying. When the bank account starts looking low, we fret. When our children do things that we perceive to be foolish, we have turmoil in our heart. Do we not and Jesus told us this. Jesus told us that in this life we will have trouble. So dispel those triumphalistic, dare I say, heretical notions that Jesus has promised you your best life now. John 16, tells us that in this life we will have trouble. So your trouble does not mean that you're not believing hard enough you will have trouble. But what does Jesus say? He says that we should take heart in the midst of our trouble. Why? Because he has overcome the world. What does that mean? Jesus has overcome the world. Does that mean that, that like, the, like, like, like the psycho culture tells us that, that it's about having a positive attitude in the midst of opposition? No, don't psychologize this away. This is not saying that what Jesus is showing us here is just the power of a positive spirit. that if you just have confidence, in confidence and confidence, and if you just have a rosy, cheery, optimistic future or outlook, everything will be fine. Those all may be good things. But no, don't mistake it. When Jesus says He's overcome the world, well, revelation lets us know what that means. Revelation 3, Revelation 5, etc. says that Jesus, in his death and resurrection, has conquered the world. Jesus, our great champion, has done battle and has won. I love the opening verse, the verse that we had as our reflection verse. If you go back to page one, one, the first page of your bulletin, you'll see it. The Apostle John, the beloved disciple, he, he has a vision and, he's, and he sees the resurrected, glorified, and enthroned Christ. And he falls on the ground like he's dead. He's terrified. Now, contrary to what some of y'all think is going to happen, Jesus does not come up to him, Hey man, what's wrong with you? Get up, it's just me. Remember, we used to go fishing together. It's me, Jesus. That's not what he says to John. What does he say? Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. And and why should I not be afraid? Because I am the first and the last. The beginning and the end and the living one. I died, and behold, I live forevermore. And this last part is great. So I died, and I live forevermore, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. (coughs) So John, fear not. Because the thing, the thing that exists like this black hole in the universe sucking everything towards it, I have its keys. So when Jesus says that he is Lord, he is Lord indeed. There is no place that is outside the rule and reign of Christ. He is Lord even of death and hell itself. And he has the keys. He releases prisoners held in the grip and in the power of the evil one and his emissaries. He releases people. He is mighty indeed. And what's even more amazing is not only has he conquered, but the day is coming when the last enemy to be destroyed, according to 1 Corinthians 15, is death itself. <coughs> and then Revelation 20 tells us that in that final day, in the consummation of all things, death and hell will themselves be cast into the lake of fire. So fear not. All of the tools at the devil's disposal, everything in this life that you see plunging and disintegrating and being pulled towards death and destruction and disarray, all of it has been defeated. And so by the time you pass, by the time you have You have come to the moment of your own physical demise. Do not despair, for that is not the final answer. Just as Christ arose, so too will you. And you may feel at the forces of hell, stand ready to laugh and mock as you close your eyes and sleep. Well, the day comes when you will be raised in a body just like Christ, and it will be your turn to laugh and mock as death and hell are themselves destroyed. The victory of the Lamb is the death of death. And so from today's passage, I want to show you how the triumph of the Lamb is on display And how his victory is our victory. For those of you who worship here regularly, you know we are fond of saying and pointing out that our God is not a cruel tyrant. He doesn't just demand obedience and and, and worship from his servants, his venial peasants, and give us nothing. He's a gracious father who meets with us. And even in the very act of us doing our duty, he gives us the blessings. So he gets the glory, we get the good. He is a gracious Lord. And Jesus shares his inheritance with us. That's the promise. That's what we've been reading in Thessalonians. That we have an inheritance along with the Son. What a gracious God we serve. But here in our passage, we see how Christ's victory is our victory. We see it on display. Some of the implications of the triumph of the Lamb. You see in verse 11, it says that we were circumcised with the spiritual circumcision by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision's used a lot there, isn't it? And we know from the Old Testament what that is, and we know what it is from, from modern, and we know that it's bloody. It was a bloody sign that's been replaced by baptism. But they point to the same things. And the reason why, why Paul is saying this is what was circumcision to the people? It was a sign that they were accepted by God and part of his household. It was a sign, among other things, of the need for, a new, for new birth. It was the sign of the cutting away of the hard, dead heart and the, and the reception of a new sensitive to the will of the father heart. It's a sign that you have been cleansed and made acceptable. So this passage that we just read today is on the tail end of a section where he's addressing some would-be folks who are saying that in order to really be acceptable to God, you got to go above and beyond and do all this stuff. And he's, no, Christ has made you acceptable. You you Gentiles, you people who are supposedly unclean, you've been made clean. You've been made acceptable. You've been made usable for divine purposes. So we are. we are not on the fringes of God's favor. We're fully smack dab in the middle of the house. And you are welcome there. In verse 12, it says, we were raised with him through faith. I love that. We've been talking about union with Christ. And we are so united with him. And we so share in his victory that our resurrection is such a certainty Yet Paul has the audacity to write of it in the past tense. It is so certain he can speak of it as already happening. So Jesus rose. And we're so united to him that we will rise. In fact, he can say, you were raised. That is glorious. Nothing, nothing can keep us from that. It's certain so fear not. In verses 13 and 14, oh man, I love this part. That's my favorite part of the whole passage. He forgives us all of our debts and he takes that record of transgressions that, that quite frankly, that is, that is the leverage that the rulers, that the, that the authorities, these, the, the, spiritual, the spiritual voices that accuse, that's their leverage. Our record of wrongs. Because we've talked about how the devil is like a sibling who goads you into doing what you shouldn't do. And then as soon as you do it, he goes and tells on you. So he has his leverage against you, right? He's, all this stuff you've done, he's going to tell God. He's the accuser. He's going to point out everything you've done wrong. Well, it says he nailed it to the cross, God did. What was nailed to the cross on that Good Friday? Good Friday. Morning, Jesus. You see, Jesus so identifies with you that when Jesus was bodily hanging from that tree, that was your record of debts right there. Accusers, you think I've done something wrong? Look at the man twisted and torn on the tree. There's my record of wrongs. Jesus has so fully atoned for our sin and so united himself to us that our record of debt is there, paid in full. And so the spiritual forces that seem to think that they have leverage over you, they have none. They have none. Christ went to the cross for your sin And his victory over the grave is proof that the father accepted the sacrifice of the son as sufficient, which means there is no debt left to be paid. And then verse 15, he therefore, and in that same act, disarmed the rulers and authorities. He took away their leverage, and he exposed them to shame. Wow. You see... How can we go through life now letting the voices of these defeated foes hold sway when we have been set free? And what does the son say? He who he sets free is free indeed. But you see, they know they can't take away your salvation. Not ignorant of that, but you know what they can do? They can make you miserable and make you utterly ineffectual. And and, and I want you to know that there's nothing in heaven or earth or in hell that can actually do any of that. It's like an illusion. They're whispering deceitful lies. So are are you haunted by your past? By those mistakes you made, those things you did in your folly, or have you been living under the shame of things from the past? Your past can't keep you from the Savior. The Savior has taken every sin, every sin, every past feeling and nailed it there. So don't listen to the voice. Are you plagued by the voice of insecurity that whispers into your ear, must be perfect everything hinges on you being perfect if you fail you're going to be rejected are you insecure the son has accepted you remember from eternity you were a gift from God the Father to the son and the son said yes i accept you have been accepted And the Lord in his mercy doesn't just leave that theoretical. He he gives you a family of, of sinners who are likewise with you, trophies of his grace, and together as a family, we help each other along on our way to the pearly gates. Do you feel hopeless in your circumstances? Jesus has overcome. We're not talking about having confidence in confidence, but rather acknowledge what Jesus said. You will have trouble in this world. You will. But our duty is to be faithful as witnesses, faithful as apologists in the middle of whatever muck we're going through, walking faithfully knowing that our Lord in his victory will ensure that nothing is done in futility. The devil and all his spiritual allies want you to be defeated in function. Reject it. Push it back in their face. Jesus who died has fully atoned for all my sins. And he lives forevermore and he has the keys to death and Hades. And we shall share in his resurrection and share in his victory. His resurrection is proof of the death of death. So walk victoriously. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. He is risen. Amen. Let us.